ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends of all shapes, creeds, sizes, preferences. This is Shark Brain, the podcast that discusses creativity amongst creators and various other forms of, well, hell, we were all over the map these weeks that I've been recording. I'll be releasing some new stuff for you of new people. This week, we've got Matt Susich on the show, singer-songwriter from out of New York City, kind of a Rockwood kid, so you uh, East Coasters will know him through that scene. Ah, it's the Olympics this week, and so I really haven't gotten a whole lot done. I specifically called Time Warner Cable, have them come out and install a DVR for the month of February, and I'm going to get rid of it, drop it like a hot rock, at least I hope I'm going to do it, March 1st, because it's just for the Olympics. I figured it's worth the extra expense instead of having to, you know, try to find a feed because they always show the cool stuff, the luge, the the skeleton, the biathlon, which is the strangest thing. Ski, 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 shoot, huh? I'm sure it's rooted in something that's, you know, very primordial and something that people need. But, uh, yeah, it's like the hammer throw. It's the, the fringe stuff. And I wanted to be able to see all of it because I'm not a sports guy. I'm by any means. I've said that last week on the show. It just, it, it never locked in with me. But for some reason, the format, maybe it's the uh, competing individually. That's that's the, the whole vibe. I've never was a joiner, so to speak. I never wanted to be a member of a club that would have me, um, to paraphrase uh, Marx. But um, not that kind of Marx, huh? I'm, I've been watching Sochi. Different Marx. Groucho. Anyway, uh, I've been absolutely throwing myself 100% into this and, and staying up all night and watching it and then feeling I, I, I hadn't had a DVR in five years. I hadn't had cable. I know I'm one of those, you know, asshole people say, I don't have a television. It's not what I do. But to be perfectly honest, I mean, I, I've got Hulu. So it, it's it's the same thing. For those of you out there who say you don't have television and you have your favorite shows that you happen to watch regularly. Guess what? You watch television. Also, you're a jerk. So just admit it. You don't all have to be eruditious and put our nose in books. I know some of you are actually uh, a bit of Luddites when it comes to TV, or at least you try to rise above it and and, uh, and not be dragged down by uh, by the relentless product placements and marketing that's being thrown at us. Oh, you. You people on your high horses. How do we look from up there? Can you see us? Do we look smaller? Well, get off it. It's the Olympics, all right? And I know some of you don't really care for it. You don't understand what... What could be the big deal about a bunch of people getting together and doing things that don't necessarily apply to our lives anymore, since we're not an agrarian or even an industrial society? We're kind of a post-industrial society. At least my section of the world is. I'm not going to be so xenophobic or um, short-sighted not to see that people make this stuff. It's not all robots or you know benevolent beings from another world that drop my new iPhone into my lap. Oh, I think I'm thinking too much, guys. I had that moment this week. I had that moment. I had that moment several times. I've been ruminating on it. Think, 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 think. A lot churning up there. And that's not necessarily a badge of honor because it's uh, it uh, gets in the way. Hyperanalysis. There's a strange, uh, a strange puzzle I've been working on in my head. As artists of any stripe, really, people of uh, creative types, we kind of pull ourselves in two different directions. There's this blind ambition that wants to go and fight and win and and show all those assholes from high school that we're really going to be something. And then there's the other half of us, the the real half, the half that actually seeks and searches and tries to break new ground or at least find the core of what we are within ourselves. That part of us 
needs to really not worry about whether or not it sounds like dubstep or if it's got a cool hook or any of that. You know, it's it's a push and pull. I don't really I'm I'm trying not to think too much people about this. It's just it's it's too much rumination. It's it's uh, burning me out a little bit. I think I might go on a digital cleanse. What do you guys think of that? My wife told me that I I, I Facebook too much, and I'm and I didn't argue one bit, but I I did kind of uh acted a little shitty to her because uh, it hurt so bad because it was so on the money. I'm just I I base a lot of social interaction in social networks and it's you know it's the gripe of all of us we you know hey by the way hey tweet about the show and then be <laughs> oh man i don't know i don't know i often wonder what we would be like without all this you know when the bottom falls out i say when the bottom falls out i'm not some sort of uh doom and gloomist uh thinking that everything's going to come unraveled at one point i haven't read that much cormac mccarthy to think that we're going to inevitably end down a dystopian future where everyone's fighting for broth. It's not not quite there yet. But I will say that I don't feel more fulfilled. I, I, I know that a lot of stuff is saving me time, but I don't feel like I know me. Can anyone relate to that? That uh, it's, it's, it's almost as though um, everything that's coming at you is just sort of giving you just a, enough Novocaine to to knock you a little bit down a peg to keep the, your senses from being sharp. You're just sort of, you're, you're anesthetized in just a, a very delicate way, a wash, a warm bath of, of numbness with all this information. I know that I'm a better person when I'm not completely hooked up to it. That's a drug, man. It's a drug like anything else. It, it, it looks like a drug, acts like a drug, feels like a drug, then it's a drug, man. I do know that Charles Dickens never wrote one single tweet. I do know that uh, Abraham Lincoln wrote the Gettysburg Address without the aid of Wikipedia. So, man, we're we're capable. We really are. You know what? Let's let's do that together. At some point in the next couple of weeks, let's all get together. We'll we'll have a little uh, starting point. I don't know how we'll, we'll we'll do it via Twitter. The irony in that, huh? Everybody, we'll do a tweet saying logging off for the next 24 hours and for 24 hours we blissfully become unaware of all these machines that call our attention my phone is in my pocket all the time screaming at me giving me a little chirp saying like this could be the promise of something amazing this could be something to anesthetize you this could be something that that phone call they finally licensed your song for the olympics and the you know the one with the with a charging fury that sounds like a bunch of chariots playing electric guitars. That one. No. No, it's not. It's something from Amazon Local. It's uh, it's an email list that I never even thought I'd sign up for. It's a miasma of crap coming at me. So I'm going to shut it off. I'll tweet about it, and that'll be the fun part about it. I won't. I'll do a 24-hour period, and then I'll, uh, I'll journal my stuff with... Uh, over that 24-hour period, letting you know how I feel. Now, I might even dedicate myself further to that. I don't know how I'll tell you how I'll do it. You'll just have to wait. <sighs> I haven't even thought about doing that. I just said this on the mic. I think I've been craving it. My subconscious is coming out through the microphone. It's a sign that I'm really becoming uh, familiar with you guys. Thank you guys for being listeners of this show. It's been an absolute pleasure to do. An absolute pleasure to get in and sit down with people that I don't get a chance to sit down with normally because I'm terrified of social interaction 
I had a friend come up to me. Uh, we were all getting together and you know having a good old hang, and uh, I was talking about depression and uh, and pulling myself out of the the fog and all that stuff. And and a lot of people who are kind of they 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 have a tacit connection to me think that I'm a happy-go-lucky guy because I'm funny. And I don't think anything could be further from the truth. A lot of funny people are just, you know, they're they're funny because they think about things in a very dark and bleak way, and the only thing that gets them through it is the gallows humor. So, not to toot my own horn about, you know, thinking a lot over and over again, but, yeah. It's a, you can use a lot of things to, to medicate yourself for that sort of thing. It kind of comes hand in hand with a, a lot of artistry. Not every artist is a, is a depressive type, and not every depressive type is an artist, so to speak. So not mutually inclusive, but uh, for me, that's definitely the case. Um, and yet I, I try to keep it light. So if you are going through something like that, if you feel as though you, your serotonin receptors aren't firing the way they should, or, or everything just feels too impossible, I, I cannot tell you enough to, to reach out. Reach out to those around you. You can trust your gut on this and, and, and really believe that you can get to people. Don't turn to drugs. It's not there. There's nothing there. Recreationally, they can be fun, but not to fix that hole. Don't turn to alcohol. I've been down that road. And uh, be cautious about MAOIs and SSRIs. They're good for some time. There's part of my life that I've been on them. And uh, it was kind of what... And, Last resort thing, you know, nothing else was really working and, and I, I couldn't pull myself out of the mire. And that was one of those things that really, really brought me up for a, a period of time. It was a band aid when I needed a tourniquet, but it definitely stopped a lot of the uh, blood loss in the metaphoric sense. You know, if you're following me, which I know you are because, hey, you're 10 minutes in. Come on. 10 minutes already? Man, Jake, time flies when you're talking. Well, that's because I'm a rack on tour. I screamed that the other night across a crowded bar at somebody. I'm a rack on tour! What else can I tell you guys? Oh, a couple things. Joel Eccles has got a pledge music campaign that's going on right now. If you're listening to this anytime that it has come out, he's going to be coming up on the show uh, in a couple of weeks, but uh, you guys can check out, just uh, go to pledge music and put in Joel Eccles, and he's got... Um, He's raising money for a new album. He's out there recording it right now as uh, as I'm speaking. So definitely check that out. Pledge. There's some a lot of cool incentives that he's got going over there. Also, if you get a chance to go online, look up Jimmy Kimmel Live. I believe it was February 4th, Tuesday. The Lone Bellow played. And I've known those guys for a bit. Known Brian Umquist, uh, the guitar player, for a long time. And met Zach through Brian on a trip out to New York a few years ago. Definitely check out their performance. It was phenomenal. Got a chance to see them live, and it came across incredibly well on the cameras. You can even see my guitar. It's on stage. It's the backup guitar, the Blonde Casino with the uh, Hoot Nanny strap. That's mine. My guitar on national television. It's only a matter of time till I'm holding one and doing the same thing. Look at that. Ah. Oh, the confidence, ladies and gentlemen. The hubris. I got it. I gots it. Matt Susich is on the show today. He's from Queens, born and raised, lives near his parents. It's boggling to me that people do that. He's like a he's like a Coppola movie. It's amazing. We talk about what it's like growing up in Astoria, where he's from, living near his parents, going to college and finding himself through the guitar, which happens a lot. A lot of people find themselves at college for the various things. Sometimes you're the hacky sacker dude, and you're just a, a couple of credits shy of 
life, and sometimes you find the guitar, and it teaches you everything that you need to know about what you, uh, what you are. I'm one of those people, but I started a bit earlier. Mm, yeah. I also realized that I'm pretty smug if I let myself go too long on the mic. Anyway, I digress. Let's get back to it with Matt Susich on the one, the only, your favorite, Shark Brain. Very nice. Yeah, not bad. So how long are you out here for, man? Uh, I'm here for five days, and this is my third. Five, five okay. Cool. So, this is not the first time you've done this. Uh, how many years in a row have you done this? Uh, I've been working on radio for, like, over ten years. Really? Um, yeah. I came out right out of college and uh, interned, mm-hmm. and it became a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, as they tend to do. It's not what I went to school for, but... Um, it was just good people. Yeah. What did you go to school uh, for? I went to uh, school for advertising. Okay. Interesting. And yeah, I was not the uh, suit version. Yeah. Like the, you know, the creative yeah. mm-hmm. campaigns. And then I loved it. That was like my favorite. I wasn't a big school guy, mm-hmm. um, but I liked the the only time I liked being at school. I liked college. I just yeah. didn't like the school. You know what I mean? I understand. Mean? Absolutely. Um, Thoroughly. So the only time I enjoyed classes were really um, advertising Mm-hmm. Uh, projects and those kind of things because you had to come up with a full campaign you know yeah it was exciting what about it appeal to you uh advertising as a well just you know i think it was the creative i think that was just an outlet for me creatively yeah. and i didn't have uh music just yet like uh-huh. i was i started playing guitar when i was in college but okay um late bloomer kind of thing oh yeah yeah, yeah. seriously yeah. what what appealed to you about that what made you want to go like oh hey you know what this guitar thing might have something in it um i have a kid that i grew up with um my my closest friend uh scott Mm. Bought a guitar freshman year of college, uh, like out of the blue. Like, yeah, I came over his house and he's like, "Look what I bought!" Yeah, and I was like, like, "Oh damn!" Yeah, guess like, what? We're doing this. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, "All right." Well, my brother had taken a class, like mm. a music class in college, so he had come home from Boston with a cheap Yamaha. Uh-huh. And once that class was over, I stole it from him. Yeah, he didn't need it. He brought it. It was in Queens. It was in my house. And, I completely understand. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I did that with a few of my sisters. My dad uh, was a musician in the mm-hmm. '70s for RCA and a few other uh, different. As a session guy, and he tried to get all of his kids to play guitar, mm-hmm. and would continually buy my sisters guitars for their birthday, and they'd have that look on their face, like, "Oh, hey, yeah, thanks. this is great." And then I was just looking back, going, "Like, oh, six this weeks is- in, it's gonna be mine." <laughs> as soon as this and they won't even over. notice. Actually, half of the guitars, that guitar is my sister's guitar. Oh, come on, yeah, yeah seriously, that's, that's amazing. That's great. So you were born and raised in Queens. Born and raised in Queens, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I you... still live uh, two miles from my parents. Holy smokes. Yeah. Do you guys do dinner every week or every other week? Uh, I see them plenty, yeah. yeah. I mean, I use that house <laughs> <laughs> for for a lot of things. Yeah. Lo- I go for laundry, oh, you know what I mean? yeah, dude. And while I'm doing my laundry, I eat uh-huh. <laughs> well. Naturally. You know? Yeah. Dude, that's amazing. So. I was always jealous of people who grew up in metropolitan areas for a variety of reasons, mm-hmm. one of which you could like watch a Woody Allen movie and go, oh, yeah, I've been there. Exactly. I ate ice cream there after a baseball game. Yeah. I, for me, I was just kind of going, what's a cab? Are they run by robots? Or are they actual people that do it? <laughs> you know, that, that was me. But uh, one of those things was to be able to like, you know, go out and try to fight and fight your dreams in the city mm-hmm. and then, you know, lick your wounds at home in the same day. Yeah. It seemed amazing to me. The fact that you can do so much in what, like, it's not a one thing mm-hmm. you know like you're not your your night is not uh foretold by the you know the one plan like oh somebody's playing music tonight uh-huh. all right 
That's yeah. it. That's my night. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to be over here all night long. Yeah, well, you know? you're seeing that being in L.A. is kind of definitely... Oh, it's brutal. Uh-huh. I was actually listening to your Dan Romer, oh, uh, yeah. Shark Brain, mm-hmm. um, because a friend of mine is childhood friends with him. Mm-hmm. And so I saw that pop up on Facebook, and I was like, Small oh, my world. God. Yeah, because I know he just moved out here. And yeah. um, you guys talked about the exact same thing, how yeah. L.A. is brutal. And I mean, I played last night, mm-hmm. and I play here often. Um, yeah. And it's it's just impossible, like to get people out to oh, pay for a show. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, it's it's incredibly difficult, and you can tie a lot of your personal self worth to that, <laughs> and you just have to constantly go like, no, no, no. How many times have people invited me out to a show, and I've said like, it's all the way over there. Yeah. Like, no, we'll never make it. We'll be like the Donner Party. We'll die. But uh, <laughs> I will say, from being from New York, and uh, I'm not that like I go out, I mm-hmm. go to shows all the time. So yeah. coming out here, it's like. It's a, it was the first time it happened. Now I ex- expect it. Yeah. You know, and I accept it. But, um, it, you know, it's more, it's like a reality check. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, I come home from a gig in LA and I'm like, all right, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. I gotta re, I gotta rethink yeah. this, this future. It definitely is a godsmack. It, it <laughs> yeah. definitely makes you like readjusts you, which can make, um, you can be disenfranchised, but you know, you go out to New York, you go out to, you know, Philly, you go to Boston and mm-hmm. people come out in droves because they're sick of being in the same 250 yeah. square feet of hell right. that they call their apartment. I had a nice uh, experience though. I started a tour here in October uh, up the coast and I started in LA. Mm-hmm. So it, it couldn't get any could worse. Only get any better. Yeah. Could only get better. <laughs> and uh, they were, I mean, it was just great show after great show after great show. So awesome. it was, it was a nice experience. And then, yeah, dude. Uh, but where'd yeah. You, where'd you play up, to, up and down the coast? I did, uh, there's a winery called Santa Rosa uh, Standing Sun, huh. which is um, a guy runs it that I met um, last year at South by. Hmm. He was a sponsor of a showcase, an unofficial showcase that's called the Outlaw Roadshow. Mm-hmm. And he uh, was there, and we met there. I was playing at that showcase, and super nice guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if you're ever out west, you know, I have a winery, and I'm starting to do a series. And, I mean, came through a big way. Like, that was mm-hmm. just an, an awesome show between right. L.A. and San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he was, yeah, it was just gracious, small little street. It's not even in Santa Barbara proper. It's like a, what is the name of the town? Solving? No. no. Uh, Bulton. Bulton, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got engaged right outside of Bulton. Oh, really? Yeah, I went over to that little Swedish town because my wife is Swedish and Norwegian. Okay. So I thought, like, oh, this would be a fun little thing. Yeah, it was, and ended up uh, doing a big announcement, and then everybody. You How'd know, you do it? Uh, I uh, kind of out in the middle of the street. You know, all right, yeah, and did did the big thing, embarrassed her, and then and then flash mob, it, yeah, flash mobby kind of right. thing, songs mob, <laughs> and then I thought uh, what happened at the when I knew that she, it was going to work out is uh, we were in the hotel room getting ready to go out to dinner mm-hmm. where I was going to do it but I couldn't wait. And uh, she said, you know what? You should try to propose during dinner and maybe we can get free dessert. <laughs> I was like, this is really going to work out. This woman's, this woman's got That's my number. It. Yeah. And, and we did and somebody uh, somebody paid for our entire meal. Oh, that's so fantastic. Out. That so works out great. And then when I really knew that she was going to be my wife is when she said, we should do it again for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that would have been amazing. All yeah, right. Just like touring throughout the world, you know, fake, fake be- proposing. That'd be a good movie plot. I think you could probably do it. It's like Wedding Crashers, only with like a couple of grifters, Bonnie and Clyde style. That'd be a good short film. Not bad. Just saying. All right, we're gonna we're gonna beat sheet it out right now. You and me. Let's yeah. do it. We'll yeah, register yeah. with the WGA. Let's edit this part out. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so you have. I'm still baffled at the fact that you were born and raised in Queens. You're kind of a proselytizer of Queens, right? Astoria. Uh, yeah. 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 I. Um, growing up, I, Astoria is a weird town. Like I'm, my driver's license says Jackson Heights. Hmm. Um, if you send a piece of mail to my parents' house, you could put Jackson Heights, East Elmhurst, Astoria, Flushing. Mm-hmm. It still gets there. It's a it's a weird 
um, intersection. And now they don't even acknowledge Jackson. Even though my driver's license still says Jackson Heights, uh-huh. the Postal Service does not acknowledge that that is Jackson Heights, which it isn't. Yeah. Um, but growing up, it was. And so, like, if I fill out a form, you know, five or six years ago when they officially made it East Elmhurst, uh-huh. uh, I fill out a form on the web, like, for shipping, and it's like Jackson Heights, and it's like, nope, nope, you mean East Elmhurst. I'm like, I do I? I, I, don't, know. I don't know. Tell me. <laughs> yeah. Is it going to get there? Yeah, I'm still in the same place. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, so it's it's a weird it's a weird little town, but Astoria is becoming the um, the tr- probably the trendiest part of Queens. Yeah, um, and so it, it's uh, it's nice to see it growing a little bit, but it's still not going to be anything like Brooklyn, you know, yeah. for a long time. Which I'm happy with. I love it. Yeah. I, it's like I you know the people I know in Astoria who are from out of town, like the the way we met, like you know mm-hmm. um, those folks who came from out here uh, to live, they they went right to Astoria. I don't know why, yeah, but they did, and they love it. Mm-hmm. And so those kind of people are I have a special connection with because it's like we have this little paradise that nobody yeah. knows about. It seems that's very much like where where it is out here um, mm-hmm. in the east side of LA. It's not like east side, like you know, run east right. side, but yeah. it, it's it's <laughs> like Tupac, yeah, like Tupac east side, yeah, right. like you know, not many people rap about our neighborhood. <laughs> And that, and that's not saying it's good or bad. Right, but right. That, uh, leave it as it lays. But uh, yeah, we we were kind of just east of all the hip stuff. Just kind of you know with enough room to be able to you know have space to do mm-hmm. what you want to do. But still, uh, I've noticed I've lived in the same neighborhood for like five or six years, and I, there's less and less uh, families with a lot a lot of kids, yeah. and more and more um, dudes walking around in cargo shorts covered in paint. You know, okay, looking, yeah. looking lost like they've been in the studio for six or seven days. Right, right, right. Kind of thing, you know, which is nice. You yeah. like that vibe? It's like, really cool. Yeah. A nice little blend of things. A lot of uh, artisanal cheese. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you always know it's a. Uh, <laughs> you've crossed the threshold when you see like those slate cheese plates with the chalk yeah you know? charcuterie like, i think they yeah, call it yeah. yeah and the wood the wood uh cheese knife yeah like yeah. I, that and like a quail's egg that's on a bed of yeah arugula. exactly right you yeah. know like am i hungry or is this still life I, yeah i'm not sure what do i do i touch this i don't want to i don't want to <laughs> so it's all edible right break your is cheese that, I can it? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. start chewing on the board it's like, like that, I don't know. that's my installation don't eat it <laughs> what are you doing the crackers you're taking the crackers mm-hmm. um so yeah that that's uh what Astoria has become. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And where'd, you, and where'd you go to college exactly? I went to Iona, hmm. um, which is in Westchester, New Rochelle mm-hmm. um, area, but I hardly went there. Like, yeah. I, I went to class and I went home. Yeah. Uh, well, not home. I went to Fordham. All my friends went to Fordham, uh, which yeah. is uh, split up in two campuses in the city and in the Bronx and mm-hmm. on the way home from New Rochelle, because I didn't live at Iona. Mm-hmm. Um, I would drive past Fordham and I'd just stop and hang out with my friends. Wow. And, uh, it was, I mean, that was some of the best time of my life. Obviously, yeah. everybody always, you know, mm-hmm. gets nostalgic thinking about college. But yeah, yeah, it was a grow. I mean, it's a growing experience, and a lot. I learned. I feel like I learned more hanging out with my friends, just talking about philosophy and mm-hmm. blah 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 uh, in their, you know, their apartment on Hughes Avenue, mm-hmm. um, than I did, you know, in a philosophy class, which I may or may not have left halfway through yeah. you know, during the break because it was just I couldn't bear it. I understand. I understand you know? it completely. I I had you know my ex- existential crises. During college, uh, and and in every moment, I was always had that group of friends, that core group of of uh, Socratic friends that mm-hmm. would just sit and pontificate. That was kind of my college experience. A lot of people, you know, have a whole width and breadth. You kind of be figure out what you you're exploring, and you're sort of refining what you want to become. And right. I definitely, you know, fell in with the uh, appreciators of all things, you know, nerd and or you know, uh, way too heady. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was I was by no means a 
I, you know, heady or <laughs> I, I sat and listened to uh-huh. these guys because again, I'm, I'm all around late bloomer and I'm yeah. so, and I'm not, I never say it in a negative way. Mm-hmm. I mean it, uh, you know, sincerely that I appreciate where I came from and, you know, like that whole era mm-hmm. was just me absorbing and I didn't realize I was absor- absorbing until, you know, you figure, sort of figure things out, mm-hmm. you know, along the way. And, uh, you know, you need as much time as you need. Yeah. Like, everybody's different. Yeah. And I think that that's a great attitude to have, especially because this youth worshiping culture of uh, sort of thinking, you know, like, well, you know, you weren't, you weren't fully and completely formed artistically when you were 19, so we can't really use you. Right. You know, right. Strange. Which is, it's shitty. Yeah. It's yeah. terrible. It's, it's, a, it's eventually, well, you'd like to think eventually, but I don't, it seems to, seems to stay pretty steady that these people who are super young are, you know, just put up on this pedestal mm-hmm. and they are talented, you know, the, the, everywhere from dating yeah. back to, you know, the cliche, the be- you know, the Beatles and yeah. these people are all super talented. It's just, you know, it's a different time now. Mm-hmm. And so these kids are doing all these stupid things that, you know, everybody sees instead of, you know, I mean, we all did stupid things. Just yeah, but we were able to do it in obscurity. Sure. And know? even, you know, even young stars teen stars you know ricky nelson mm-hmm. i'm sure he did some stupid shit oh absolutely except I mean, there was no and he was a star yeah but it's like it's just a different time yeah, and everybody knew how weird chuck berry was and he uh, had, had his right, weird sexual right. picadillos exactly i don't think that people would be listening to johnny be good today you know exactly mm-hmm. exactly and i think um you know there are there are some there are artists who represent the late blooming mm-hmm. phase as well um which is nice but um i'm happy with the way my career has formed mm-hmm. in the past years because you know you don't know how to ha- you don't know how to handle certain things when you're younger yeah. you, you don't know how to approach such different situations and now it, there's a certain you know understanding of just the ebb and flow of life mm-hmm. you know like all right this is gonna this is gonna pass and mm-hmm. something else is gonna come along and i'm not gonna get frustrated about these certain things that maybe as a 22 year old i would have mm-hmm. been but i didn't have to deal with it when i was a in college and just out of college, I was playing music. Yeah. You know, I was writing terrible songs and I was playing these weird shows, um, you know, like songwriter showcases yeah. in, at the bitter end, yeah, which, signing up in- which sounds like great, yeah. but it, it's past its heyday that, oh, you know, yeah. that play. And I love, I, you know, I'm not saying anything negative about the bitter end, but it's, it's just, that's not, it, it was advertised as such. And you go and you're like, all right, I see what it is. Like you have to pay and, yeah. you know, pay to, pay to pay play. To play. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, coming in like the open mic sign up, you know, right. 30 people out the line of the door and like everybody with for everything from Washburns to yeah. just, yeah. yeah. And having it, their own thing. It's uh, fun. It was yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. But like, I didn't understand networking. I wouldn't like, I'd play my show. My friends came out mm-hmm. and we'd all go drink afterwards. Yeah. And it wasn't like hang around, meet my peers and yeah. let's write together and let's do this and that. It was just, I think I'm going to do this. And somebody's mm-hmm. in the audience is going to find me and make me a star. You should, yeah. man with big cigar. <laughs> Sign him up for a standard rich and famous contract. It's so classic. Yeah. It's so classic. And you hate to be the classic, but everybody's the classic. Dude, I absolutely you know? did that. You know? And it was, that's really encouraging to hear because I thought that all the kids that grew up in like either New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, major metropolitan areas, mm-hmm. that they just kind of had this sort of moxie and this uh, this wherewithal to, to kind of know like, oh, no, I, I know what's going on with it. And some people naturally do because I figured out they fake it. They oh, fucking yeah. fake it yeah. until they make it. And then and they're able to just kind of go like, oh, yeah, I was just, you know, rolling with somebody. It's like, no, you weren't. You're, yeah. you're couching that in the best way Absolutely. possible. Absolutely. You didn't know your ass from a hole in the ground. I just admitted it because I was just wide-eyed like an idiot. Right. You know? You're not supposed to admit it. Yeah. yeah. No, you're not. Just, That's like, a trade secret. Absolutely. Which I think is bullshit these days. Absolutely. And this is something I tell a lot of people that um, – who, 
you know, the, who are younger and mm-hmm. ask questions for some reason, ask questions like, um, like I'm some wise man, you know? <laughs> um, but I'm happy to, I'm always happy to talk about mm-hmm. this stuff because I am a little older and, you know, I remember when I was this kid at right out of college mm-hmm. who did the stupid gigs and, you know, then there was a lull. Yeah, you know, long period of time where I just didn't do anything because I didn't realize what I was doing. Yeah, friends stopped showing up to shows. Yeah, yeah. I stopped playing shows. Yeah. I, I wasn't writing anything I was mm-hmm. proud of. Um, and the like, these people who ask, you know, what it was like, or you know, they come to an open mic and they leave. You know, like the f- I, I went to this open mic, which was incredible. It was at mm-hmm. Cafe Vivaldi, and it's on Jones Street. It's on the street. In the picture, Bob Dylan's freewheeling. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that street. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an amazing open mic, and I met some of the closest friends I have there. And that was a great period of time. It, and again, that was you know only a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I went for like a solid two and a half years straight, like every Monday. Mm-hmm. And I met wonderful people. And then every once in a while, there's a person who walks in because they picked their number earlier mm-hmm. in the night. They left. They did some math as to when they were going to come on. Yeah. They show up. They hear their name, they play their song, and they boogie. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? that's not how it works anymore. No. Like, you could do that in the 60s because mm-hmm. it was word of mouth. If that guy came in, blew everybody away, and disappeared. Mm-hmm. They'd come and find you. People were like, did you see that guy? He was wearing that denim shirt. Yeah. He was so mysterious. And yeah. he had the cigarette sticking out of the top of his tuning pegs. And, yeah. You know, and he, <laughs> and he blew us all away. It was yeah. crazy. And then word of mouth starts spreading. Mm-hmm. These days, you're forgotten. Yeah. If you don't sh- go around and shake some hands, people will forget about you. Oh, and absolutely. There's so many more like you. You are not original. Yeah. Well, because back then, uh, being, you know, whether it be, you know, City Lights or any, any number of, like, being a beatnik, being a, a hippie, being a being a folk singer, I was like, like, what? Like, whoa, there's only, like, five yeah. of these guys because not everybody had a guitar. They're selling guitars in Target. <laughs> they are selling guitars yeah. in Target. I like, got my niece's guitars with, like, you know, Dora on it yeah. or, like, a princess, you know, yeah, I got, I, on it. Yeah, I got my nephew one uh, with uh, black skulls and crossbones. It's made out of just foam <laughs> plastic, you know. It cost me $29. Right, exactly, yeah. Before you'd have to like you know the old, your introductory as a little kid I'd look in Sears catalog and be like oh it's the harmony guitar mm-hmm. terrible guitar uh, not necessarily but yeah. uh, but you know introductory guitar I would look in lust after it for a hundred dollars right. in nineteen eighty five now oh. they make them out of plastic absolutely and, yeah, yeah and they don't stay in tune for, it's, mm-hmm. it's, but they understand that like mm-hmm. a kid you know if they like, if it takes and yeah. they want to learn the instrument then you get them a proper guitar exactly but this, this is just something they want to like but smash it's around so much of our part of our culture you know and mm-hmm. and and um, you know, on on top of it you know back then they, people would seek you out you know especially the suits because they could make money off of you mm-hmm. not so much anymore right and it's right. strange it's strange so you really have to do it for the love and the difficulty that i've been talking with a few people is is doing it with the motivation uh, is the motivation behind doing it uh, worth it just for the sake of it? Like, right. say, um, keeping, you know, it, it, what it must have been like in the Dark Ages, keeping literacy alive, mm-hmm. you know, when these impending hordes of Vikings would come down and try to, you know, stake out your monastery, you know, is it worth it to be a calligraphist? Right. <laughs> yeah. like, is this, we should really just learn to shoot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, the city is burning. <laughs> the city is burning. Hold on, hold on. I'm almost through John chapter 3. <laughs> Recopying this Bible, you like, just made me write. The city is burning. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You, I told you, foul silence. I can't hear you talk. <laughs> so yeah, that that that's an interesting thing about it. So so hanging. When did you? Was it like just doing that open mic, or like over the years realizing, hey, I have to make some FaceTime with people and some connections? Um, no, I had uh, an actual moment where you mm. like, which I didn't believe existed. It was mm. a moment like 
the holy crap, I need yeah. to do this. I'll, I'll tell you exactly when it was. It was like October 2010. Hmm. Um, I was on my couch. I was watching some like fashion week <laughs> thing on like a, a recap of fashion week on C- CBS or whatever the hell it was. Um, and I wrote this song that was the title track of my first record, which is called Jubilation of Jealousy. And it was about because I went out that night for a walk. I was just like, I'm going to see, or, or the week b- before I went out for a walk during fashion week, mm-hmm. just to see what it was all about. Yeah. Cause I hadn't, I hadn't been, I was, wasn't much of a loner the, the, the late later part of my twenties. I was, I didn't really just go and do things by myself. And so this was a whole new phase and I was just like, I'm going to go, I'm just going to go see what the, all this uh, crap is about. And I walked around Soho and it was stupid. Yeah. It was so crazy. <laughs> like I couldn't believe Soho looked like this. Yeah. You couldn't walk on the sidewalk. Oh like God. it was packed and the outfits were insane. I mean, I, I don't mean stupid in a, yeah. you know, I mean, like, in a bad way. It was stupid mad. how crazy it was. Yeah. And I thought it was cool. You know, I'm not going to go around walking like in platform shoes and I, but I took it all in. Right. Yeah. And I wrote this song about like the, which is a way that I feel, I can't believe I'm talking about this song. Like it's a new, like I'm promoting this song. <laughs> hey. It's like so old, you know, you've it's heard like, it go out and buy it. It still exists. Go get it. <laughs> um, but it was a thing about how like you, you you love something so much, but you're also jealous of somebody else's work because you love it so much. Oh, yeah. It's how I felt about a lot of artists mm-hmm. when I was absorbing, you know, and being inspired. I remember mm-hmm. like bright eyes that lifted album. Yeah. I thought start to finish. I'm like, mm-hmm. Holy crap. This is like a yeah. piece of art. Like, he brings ideas back around, you know, mm-hmm. later in the, in the album that I, you know, that you forget about. And then he says it again in, the, in like the seventh song. And you're like, yeah, that, that sounds familiar that mm-hmm. he just used a line again. Like it was mind blowing to me mm-hmm. because when I learned how to play guitar early, like, you know, in the, tw- in the 2000s, I was uh, a blues guy. It was all about solos for me. It wasn't mm-hmm. lyrics. And then later, um, it, you know, in the mid 2000s, I, I got into the lyric guys and mm-hmm. then the people who were closer to my age as opposed to, uh, you know, yeah, like, not the Springsteen's, not the Dylans. Yeah, I started listening to Bright Eyes and M Ward, yeah. and uh, I was like blown away. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I felt about that because I wasn't able yet to confidently write my own songs. That when I heard something I loved so much, you know, you get jealous of it. Of you're course. like, ah, oh, this is. Yeah. There's a weird kind of thing, especially when you're in the middle of of hearing something for the first time. I think for me, uh, one of the first times it really, really hit hard. Um, uh, in, in my singer-songwriter career before I was just playing in bands and being an emo kid mm-hmm. uh, was uh, the Sufjan Stevens record okay. with, uh, it was uh, John Wayne Gacy, that tune. Okay. And, I, and it was a, a duality of like really loving it, being jealous of it, and and almost having that slight whis- whisper of going like, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. You know, kind yeah. of a thing. And of course, that was a very small one in that one because we were going like, where the hell is this coming from? Right. But a lot of, uh, you, know, you find people more and more kind of attuned to what your voice you feel like you could be. And then when they put out a new record, you go like a few, there's a few times that I've like, a, and this is me, you know, putting myself in the wrong kind of company, like a Ryan Adams lyric. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, it was right there. Yeah. It's right there in language. <laughs> I could have just put that together. Why didn't I do that? Right. Oh, wait. Yeah, I was watching Deadwood. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, what, <laughs> that's what I was doing. It was a great show. Yeah, that's a great show. Yeah. I just went through it all again. Me, I, I went through it for the first time. Oh, and it, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, Springsteen was just on Fallon. Did you watch that at all? Yeah. The, uh, the... And he talked about that, about mm-hmm. how he's like, because one of the Twitter questions was, mm-hmm. uh, is there any song you wish you wrote? And he's like, yeah, of course, there's plenty of it, but... You know, if I wrote it, it would have been terrible. It yeah. wouldn't have been that. Like, <laughs> that's you true. Can't... It's, not, it's not me. It's true. Yeah, and that's the thing that comes with age. Like, yeah. you know, you just... Yeah, he, he he just remains pliable. Listening to Nebraska a lot and just realizing, 
No, I mean that's another thing too. Is is you can make records, and and even if you're not in, in, intending, if you can hear it, you mm-hmm. can if you can make out the words and you can make out the melody and the and the chords, it's it, it's just fine. That was on a, what an old two tra- uh, four track yeah TAC thing, you know, yeah, like in his, in his barn or something. Yeah, I yeah. I just read an article. I think it was like top Springsteen albums, or mm-hmm. it might have been Esquire. I don't know who did it, but one of the things was the, the, the at the bottom was Nebraska, and it says nobody ever listened to a, Nebraska, and I was like, I listened. To I Nebraska. listen to Nebraska. Like all, all these dudes. I love like, Nebraska. Nebraska's amazing, yeah. dude. Hell, uh, there's a, there's a few movies. Uh, the uh, uh, Sean Penn movie, um, uh, not the the in the Indian Runner or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's based off a song. Oh, really? In Nebraska? Yeah. I actually met um, uh, Bruce Springsteen about six or seven years ago. Wow. He, I was in a movie that was directed by his brother-in-law. Come so, on. Yeah. How'd so it he, go? It the, the it was great. The meeting actually, I was I was pretty nervous. Did you yeah. actually have a conversation? Yeah, he said like, "You did a good job in the movie." And I was like, "Thank <laughs> you, Bruce Springsteen. I thought you were really good." <laughs> All right, thank you, Bruce Springsteen. I used his full name the entire time. So, what are you doing later, Bruce Springsteen? <laughs> Do you want to go get a drink, Bruce Springsteen? That's my exact impression of him too. I yeah. met him once, and all I did was shake his hand. Yeah, and he goes, "How's it going, guys?" Shaking. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. I squealed. I squealed like a you did, like, like, yeah. That, that's one of the like. That's one of the top people. Like I meet a lot of celebrities. Yeah. I'm not, you know, it's just the nature of the job, my yeah. day job. Yeah. And I don't get starstruck because yeah. you you have to be professional mm-hmm. and you have to help these. You know, they're doing interviews and whatever it is. Um, but when I met him, it wasn't an interview. It was just like we. I was hanging out backstage at a show mm-hmm. that he was going to make a cameo appearance at, mm-hmm. and he walks through the curtain, and I was like. <gasps> <laughs> that was it. Like, you know, I didn't. I couldn't believe. It. I yeah. stood up r- yeah. right away, and I, then I he walked right past. I shook his hand. And mm. That was it. He's like, How's How's it going, going, guys? Yes. That was it. It's burning my head. Burning my head. Oh man. So the day job. Uh, what you're a um, producer on the I'm, show? Yeah, I'm a what producer we... for a, a PM Drive radio show mm-hmm. in New York City. Yeah. So a PM Drive. So you don't have to do the insane, crazy hours. No, no. It works out nice. Yeah. Yeah. It works awesome. out nice for the for the day job and the night job mm-hmm. work together. Yeah, uh, in a nice little synergy. Uh, so, so like, where do you get off? Like, eight, like seven, eight seven? Yeah, shows off, shows off at seven. Oh, and yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I'm the guy. I'm like, uh, you know, the guy who laughs in the background. Mm-hmm. And I push buttons and I make sure there's audio and mm-hmm. stuff to talk about. Okay, yeah, it's a good. It's a good gig. And I, I mean, there's also a lot of other side things that you know um, we have a lot of artists come up and do interviews and performances, and mm-hmm. I run those sessions. You know, I'll, I'll engineer the mm-hmm. the interview and the performance and. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's good. Mm-hmm. It's so, nice. That's that's great, dude. That's great. Are these Red Wings? They are. Ah, oh, dude. Yeah, mine too. Are they? Yeah, yeah. Nice. I love these. I just had these resold. These are brand new soles. Oh, really, dude? I had these boots for uh, three and a half years. You know what? I had to have them resold, and I they ship them. Yeah. Oh, so, so I had to live without out. them. Well, I bought a new pair. Not these. The I interim. bought the... Um, I don't know what they're called. I don't love them, mm-hmm. but they turn out to be a decent snow boot oh. uh, because it's been snowing like hell. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's. I'm getting used to them. It's just that the sole was so white on the new ones. Uh, yeah. I love that I'm having this conversation with yeah. you right now. Uh, they're amazing. Uh, they're amazing boots. I, I heard a lot of people talk about them you know, over and over again. My dad, for the longest time, as we were growing up, had these old hiking boots that were Vasques, which were the hiking section of Red Wings. And it was this iconographic you know, man's boot. Yeah, and then exactly. I went like, around August of this last year and tried them on. Love, fell in love with these guys, and then uh, I've, I've worn them every single day since. That's it. Yeah. Every, every day. Every single I, day. It's just I, I felt that 
I felt strange the days that I was without these. Mm-hmm. And when it was funny, when I got them back, they call you, they're like, yeah, your boots are back from the thing. I'm like, great. Boop. Like I was like a puff of smoke. The phone <laughs> fell to the floor, you know, and I go to the store, I show up and the guy uh, comes out with them as if I had left my children, yeah. you know, at daycare for, for like a you know weekend away. And I come back and he, and this was like a month, you uh-huh. know, it's like, it's like three to four oh, weeks. Damn. And, uh, he comes out from behind the thing with them, and I'm like, "Hey, look at these guys!" I said out loud, "I was like, look at those guys!" <laughs> <laughs> and they were all fixed up. It was a brand new soul. Like mm. it felt great. And mm. um, and then he's like, "How are those new ones working out for you?" I'm like, "Yeah, they're right." Yeah, you know, mm. it's it's funny though. If you ever look through the Red Wing catalog, you mm. see like the the functional boots they have for actual working men. Yeah. You know, and then like the style yeah, icons. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Like, and nobody wears the yeah, functional ones. You stupid hipsters <laughs> and your need for something real in your life. Yeah, yeah. Here you go. Even though you're never going to do a real day yeah. of work in your life unless you own a house in the middle of Wisconsin, you get a yeah. buck up your ass. You want to look like a bricklayer? Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah. Your dad worked for the public library. Would you like to feel like a man? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're because those are hideous. Yeah. The, oh, the Brooklyn. Like, oh, dude. Yeah. Just the the boots in general for like functioning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah work boots. Actual dudes that do stuff. Like yeah. guy who's using a jackhammer all yeah. day long. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're they're awful. Yeah. 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 Nobody buys those for fashion. Yeah, they look like industrial bumpers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like wearing an inner tube. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> but these, these are great. Yeah, these are great. The Iron Ranger. Yeah. Big fan of them. Love it, dude. Love yeah. it. So you were a late bloomer, but part of being a late bloomer means that you had uh you said you were getting into into blues when you first started playing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that was just because mm. you know I that was my perception of music. Mm-hmm. It was like um, it, the first record I bought. I remember buying Johnny Lang, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> "Lie to Me" that yeah. album, and uh, Eric Clapton, "Unplugged." Yeah, and I learned front to back Eric mm. Clapton, "Unplugged," and that's how I learned how to play guitar. Yeah. Aside from my friend Jerry, who taught me Stairway to Heaven, mm-hmm. classic first song to learn like ever. You do. So that was the first thing I ever did. Like, I mm-hmm. saw him play Stairway, and I was like, okay, yeah. like, show me now. Yeah. And then, like, he would do, he did the first part, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'd spend 10 minutes on it, oh, yeah. and then I like, what's next? Mm-hmm. And he, I was annoying mm-hmm. as all hell yeah. to this kid. Um, and then, you know, little by little, it became, like, less about the chords. I mean, obviously, first thing you'd learn is, like, a G and a D and a C, something like that. But... From that point on, it was like all, what am I going to, I got a solo. I mm-hmm. want a solo, yeah. you know? And it was all that kind of stuff. And if a song didn't have a guitar solo, I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I was just, you know, I skipped the ones that yeah. were purely, you know, lyrics. Um, and that was just because I thought I had to do that. And then I started writing. And when mm-hmm. you start writing, you start listening to the writers. Mm-hmm. And it, that came much later. But yeah. I, I was always playing guitar since like 1998, mm-hmm. 99. Um, but... I didn't start writing songs that I was super proud of until I turned 30. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, it's, it's that journeyman thing you have to go through. You know, yeah. maybe that's, that's what our, our actual work is. It's all head stuff, so we actually need something that grounds us in the real world. That's why we buy a $300 pair of boots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that how much these were? Uh, I think, well, um, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, was, what kind of music was there growing up in the house? Oh, I grew up on, like, uh, oldies, like yeah. six, 50s and 60s. Yeah. Yeah, we had a radio station in New York called CBS FM mm-hmm. 101.1. Uh, and up until maybe mid-2000s, they were true to mm-hmm. the, you know, the oldies format. And uh, it was just nonstop. My mom would tape. She would put in a tape, just tape it until mm-hmm. the tape ran out, and then flip the tape and tape again. And we took, like, road trips to Disney World or something, and then mm-hmm. we would just listen to tapes of CBS FM. So <laughs> it wasn't, you know, that was, well, we, there was no, like, there was no 
box set yeah. CDs of like, no. you know, the fifties yeah, and the sixties. And yeah. so it was just, you know, we would have tapes of these mm. hours of radio, which Driving included the Maryland. DJ. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Included our familiar voices. Mm. Um, and so that's what, that's what was, I, I grew up on. But I also remember, um, and I, I recently told this story at a show about how, uh, I'm still, you know, I'm from a generation that had grew up with a record player in the house. Yeah. And I remember being a kid, giant headphones sitting by the record player. And I, and it's embarrassing what the record was, but I, Remember, I remember specifically putting the needle down on Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, Survivor, <laughs> man. Terrible. Oh, geez. But just think about what how that, you know, that's a kid, you oh, know. Dude, it was massive. Was that- <laughs> 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 oh, my, come on. That was the best. You know what I would do? I, my parents had on VHS tape from television, Rocky 1, 2, and 3. And I would I'd get through 1 and 2 because they're pretty dark, pretty heavy themed. And then 3 just gets all razzle-dazzle yeah. about stuff. So <laughs> I would like, yeah, listen to that and then, uh, and you know, go out and, you know, go and beat up on stuff out in the yard. <laughs> <laughs> that's 4 is yeah. the soundtrack. Oh, yeah, that's true. 4 is the one with – yeah. That's, isn't that Eye of the Tiger? And that's – I don't know. It's, I'm pretty sure Survivor did like half the soundtrack on that. Yeah, that's right. But then there was also James Brown in 4 in the beginning, you know, like – Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Living in America. Yeah, classic. I just said to somebody the other day, and I've had a, a bit of a, a rocky obsession lately, but uh, probably the most, uh, the highest mortality rate of any job in America in the 1980s was being Rocky's trainer. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's two out of three, man. That's a yeah. 66 percentile fatality terrible. rate. Terrible. It's terrible. Terrible. Not good. Not good to do it. Did you ever watch the new one? Oh, uh, the new one, the like Rocky Six or something. Like that? Did it even have a number? I think it was I just Rocky. My wife. Actually, no, wait, no, Rocky's the original. Yeah, Rocky's the original. Uh, yeah. I, oh, this is called Rocky Balboa. Yeah, my this... my wife worked on it. As, really? Uh, yeah, she was a, a digital project intermediary uh, manager. Uh, so basically, she worked at the post house where they they came in and brought it. And apparently, according to her, every single day, because Stallone was, I think, he was directing it or he okay. was producing it, but he would come in every single day and would order a pastrami sandwich. This guy's like five foot six, five foot seven. Yeah. And the guy's probably got a gallstone the size of a tennis ball <laughs> in him. But he's just eating this pastrami sandwich every single day, like openly taking human growth hormone. And <laughs> yeah, oh, oh my yeah, god, yeah. yes. As in his in the veins in his face and the muscle and all that stuff, he looks like a topographical map of Asia. You yeah, know, kind of. Just, you can you can follow a vein from his face to his like <laughs> ribs. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the New York metro system. You know? Yeah. <laughs> His body is yeah. the yeah. Literally, the, just un- unplug it, and there it is. Man. That's that's very funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't bother to see that movie. Yeah, no, nor did Sorry. I. Nor did I. My, I. I said, honey, should we go see it? I mean, you've seen the dailies and stuff. She's like, huh? Yeah, this one know, might not be. We can watch Amelie again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, it's cool. So, how many records do you have out? Right now? I have two. Two. Yeah, two self-produced, mm-hmm. uh, full-length albums that, you know, um, I think I was in a rush to put out material. Uh-huh. You know, because I got started yeah. later. Um, I really wanted a catalog and I started writing with a fury and I had all these songs that inside me that, you know, I wanted to put out as soon as possible. And I just, I also, you know, I, I'm doing it by myself. Yeah. You know, I'm, I don't have any kind of pressures over timeline. And it was like, I'm just going to record this mm-hmm. and I'm going to put it out. Then I'm yeah. going to record another one and put it out. And the, I have wonderful people around me who helped me along the way. Um, you know, it wasn't entirely by yourself. It's just by yourself, quote unquote, means, you know, I yeah. don't have proper representation. Yeah. Or somebody like breathing down your neck going like, we really need that single. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't, you know, yeah. that doesn't happen. <laughs> Singer songwriters. <laughs> really. Uh, we really need that thing that's really sad that we'll play on Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> so some dude's looking up at a window while it rains. Yeah, right. Exactly. And she's just looking out, peering out, you know, searching for him and you come yeah. on and people cry. Yeah. yeah. Except uh, we're just going to ask, we're going to give that exact description to a couple of people in Nashville and they're just going to write something. <laughs> they're just going to work it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just put them out and, uh, 
I'm happy with how they came out, and I and I love those albums. But mm-hmm. like now, I'm excited about you know uh, the I'm I'm writing always writing, and mm-hmm. there's some new stuff coming. And I don't know that I'm going to do a full album again, uh, at least for a while. Yeah. I think I'm just going to do you know song here and there, yeah. and singles, and be able to get behind them. It's just the way you know it's the way people listen now, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with it. You mm-hmm. know, I, I I would love you, you can always say I would love things to be the way they used to be uh-huh. you know i would love to be able to put out you know a seven song lp yeah you know like it's bruce springsteen and the e street band you know like yeah. one of those kind of things where, oh, how was there only seven songs in this album mm-hmm. you know but it's a full album and yeah you know things things like that but time changes and we're, we're not even a part of that era whatsoever no. and the way people listen to music now is a throwaway and it's a shame if people are super fans and they like you 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 can see that people are listening to every track on your album. Mm. But if you put out a full-length album these days, I think, you know, 80% of it goes unheard mm-hmm. because people are going to see what streams are streaming the most, what mm-hmm. songs are streaming the most, and they're going to listen to that because that's mm-hmm. the most popular song. Like, oh, this one has over 2,000 listens. Yeah. That's got to be the, the hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hit is like a different term, you know what I mean? Absolutely. That's, yeah. how, you, that's how you think standard, of it. Yeah. And so, you know... Why not just put out individual songs? Mm-hmm. It's just uh, more practical. And you're not kind of, these are things that you wrote and you're, you know, you put your heart and soul into them mm-hmm. recording wise and then they go unheard. And maybe somebody finds you down the line, they go mm-hmm. back to, into your back catalog and they, they listen to them. But, you know, it's just almost wasteful. Yeah. Many a night that thought has soothed me as a bomb going like, no, you know what? But it, you know, when I die, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Van Gogh only sold one painting in his life. <laughs> To his brother, you know, so that that whole thing, you know. Which at the same time, I say like, if an album is made in the middle of a forest and nobody hears it, does it yep. still get two stars on a Pitchfork? You know? right. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know you make it mm-hmm. when Pitchfork yeah. reviews yeah. you. Yeah, when they lo- when they hate you, love you, or do anything, you know. Right. I think the Pitchfork is the uh, the journalistic equivalent of a hipster on Xanax. Sure. If you can somehow register with them, you're doing something right. I I don't even go to that yeah. site. I don't. I have friends that do, and yeah. they, they're always going like, "Have you heard Sichi and Banacha? That's like this two. They're 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 like a lesbian couple, but they're also Siamese twins, <laughs> and, and they made this music from menstrual blood." And they're going like, "I don't, I don't care." And then they listen to it, and it's just like three and a half hours of people screaming right. into an overblown right. microphone. Right. Yeah. And that's a lot of what it is. Like yeah. the stuff in, uh, that I, I've listened to. Like I've I've gone on there because sometimes you get some cool instrumental tracks mm. that you can use as a music bed for, yeah. in radio. So mm-hmm. I like I'll like I'll peruse Pitchfork for that yeah. kind of stuff. But other than that, I've never I'd never been to the site. So mm-hmm. the first time I went there, I didn't even know how to like navigate it. Yeah. You know? Um. And you know, as far as I'm my music's concerned, like that's not a goal of mine. Yeah. They don't. I don't know that I've ever heard artists like myself. Yeah. And that type of a... Yeah, here and there you hear them, but they, they all have this you know, enormously well-constructed narrative about, you know, being born in a paint factory to a crap right. poor mother. And, you know, they, right. they made they made everything that... They, this record was made completely high on Benzedrine. Yeah. Or so, whatever yeah. that is. And, and, you know, you seem a little bit more balanced, a little more like, you know, even-keeled and regular guy that also happens to write music kind of a right. thing. You know? Right, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, why can't you just be a regular guy just, anymore? That's strange. You know, I, I've often thought that, you know, like, whenever you're, you know, and you know, being a DIY artist, we're often called to uh, write a bio about ourselves. Oh, you know, yeah. when, you're, when you're doing, like, a sign-up for a festival or something like that, and you look at that little bio thing, and you go, like, I guess I'm just going to copy-paste that thing that I did that I, you know, forced myself to do for yeah. three hours one night. But it never feels like the right kind of thing. Some people, though, are phenomenally able to, you know, 
create a narrative around themselves. Yeah. You know, yeah. omit certain truths, bring other ones to light, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, and it's all mystery again. Like mm-hmm. you just build them. I, I think in that regard, there's, there's something to be said about a backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do need to uh, contextualize yourself. Yeah. I, I've said this before to the go, I watched, um, I, I never liked Joy Division. Just didn't quite get what they were about. I'm and then not, I saw yeah. Control. And yeah. have you seen that movie? No. If you see Control, you'll love Joy Division. Really? Because it's it's one of the things. Like, oh, I get it. You know, mm-hmm. guy's born in the north of England, filled with pain, doesn't understand who he is, really likes glam rock, but nobody understands him. So he writes Joy Division, and right. you're like, I love this. <laughs> That's exactly how how it happened for me. Right. So Being able to contextualize yourself, I think, is very important. But I just I've always you know had just enough self loathing or just you know like oh, yeah, it's not me. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. I I feel the same way. I think, mm-hmm. but I also think of backs like just experience becomes a decent backstory. Like mm-hmm. if you're coming out of the gate and you have this unbelievable myth to mm-hmm. you, then yeah, more power to you. That's yeah. great. Cause you have somehow given off the appearance that you don't have any experience. Mm-hmm. Like you're wet behind the ears. You're, this is your first creation. Yeah. And those are the people who are successful because anybody who's successful is, it is not their first go around, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I will not believe like Lord, mm-hmm. She comes off like a 16-year-old, you know, oh, prodigy. I just happened, I just happened to, to make this incredible. Yeah. yeah. That's the perpetual myth that keeps on going with everybody. Like, Always. I was plucked from obscurity by the powers that be. I just wanted to be a normal person. But no, I was held to a higher calling. I was forced to go in front of Excalibur and <laughs> render it from the stone. It's like, no, you weren't. You've been fucking working your ass off. Share that with us so you don't make us go crazy thinking that we're not worthy. Right. You know? Exactly. And that's the thing you have to learn. That's the thing you have to experience to learn. And that's another thing about, uh, you know... I, I want to say I think it was the um, I just listened to the Ben Lee yeah a shark man too mm-hmm. good lord yeah that guy is a thinker thinker I want to be friends with him yeah he's a good egg dude wow that mm-hmm. was I mean I was really mm-hmm. like intently listening mm-hmm. because everything he had to say was just enlightening yeah and yeah Ben yeah sorry go ahead oh no Ben's had a a really interesting experience because so much huge success came so early mm-hmm. to the point where you know. It, he he was living and working with these icons of his day, the coolest of the cool. Which you know, when you're you know a singer songwriter or anything like that, you want to be in that in that zone, yeah. not like hyper successful to where everything is just a weird carnival going on around you, and not living in obscurity. So he hit that apex, and so being so young and hitting that apex, he's like, well, this isn't everything it's all cracked up to be, and he kept on searching. Right. If you follow him on Instagram, every single one, he's just into all this this uh, peripheral, strange, hypothetical, uh, right. philosophical stuff. It's great. I'm gonna follow him on everything now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was great. It was a really great uh, podcast, and um, I just thought he had. There are some things obviously that connect, you know, mm-hmm. because being older, I there are certain ways I approach, mm-hmm. you know, this business. I didn't have to deal with any of that stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to ever have to deal with that stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I'm not ever going to be like this massive pop star. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's we, not what I want. Yeah, you know, we could pay. We could feed our mouths. And pay our bills mm-hmm. and, you know, have a house, put our kids through college, maybe, depending mm-hmm. on the college they want to go to. If they want to go to Ivy League, they better get scholarships. Okay? Damn straight. Come on, yeah. you know. Like football. If you, re- if you really <laughs> – football and or, you know, like invent something, all right? Uh-huh. Just invent something. <laughs> you got to give them an app developing uh, thing right when they're three or four years old, you know. But, but yeah, if they want to do that, then, then uh, you know, you can do that. You can actually be a, a middle-class musician, so to speak, you know. Right. Working within your own niche, getting a piece of the pizza without having to go do this blast extravaganza. Exactly. And – the thing about Lord and those kind of artists, it's like, you know, how young were they when they started? Who do they know? Uh-huh. That's the kind of stuff I'm interested in. Not because I want to replicate it because obviously I'm not, you know, 14 mm-hmm. anymore. <laughs> but, you know, I'm still 
I'm fascinated by yeah. it. Like, how do you start so young and put so many man hours in and meet the right people that they see this talent and all of a sudden you're this, you know, incredible success? Like, that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing. I want to I want to make a documentary about it, but I have no idea how to make a documentary. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I want – I like – I like unveiling the secrets. Yeah. You know, I like people letting people see what's behind the curtain and mm-hmm. I want to talk about my, my process and, you know, I want to help because yeah. there's, I know how many people there are like me. Like, I don't, I don't think there were any less singer songwriters or musicians back in the fifties and sixties. Mm-hmm. It's just, they were, the culture was different and yeah. you know, the artistry was in them. Mm-hmm. It's just that they were forced to school, job, family, Yeah, you know, and these people got, ended up being bitter old yeah. people. Yeah, leading quiet lives of generations, saying right. to their kids who may have a proclivity of one way or another, ah, don't do that. I didn't do it, and you're certainly not going to do it, because if uh, if you do it and I didn't, then I'm just saddled with regret. If I'm prudent and I tell you not to do that, then I can actually sleep a little better at night. Right, yeah. exactly. My, my old track coach came out to a show in Connecticut once, and um, he, he tells me, and he still tells me all the time, it's nice, it's, he'll say, like, you know, don't stop what you're doing yeah like no matter what like don't stop what you're doing because classic coach form you know yeah. i didn't even ask for this advice mm-hmm. I, you know and i was i was perfectly happy it's not like i was moping in a corner like yeah. oh, i don't know what i'm doing with my life <laughs> do you he, hear that sound <laughs> <laughs> and he was like you know we're out to dinner afterwards and he's like just there's there's need for the arts mm-hmm. in the world yeah and don't just don't stop and i was like oh, that's yeah. wonderful thank yeah. you so much for saying that because yeah. you know i I'm working a day job, yeah. but I'm doing this because I need to do it, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I need it for me. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully people dig it, yeah. and they follow me, and I get a massive following, and I could not have a day job anymore, and I can play music for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But I'm still doing it. Yeah. Even if that never happens, I'm still doing it. I'm still going to be writing songs because that's my nature. Yeah. And that's the funny funny thing about uh, about worth and art that you could do a little too, you just bend out of shape about. And the intrinsic value of it in and of itself can really get obscured by uh, commerce. You know, mm-hmm. you could, a lot of people can kind of go like, well, I mean, is it a hit or is it not? It's going to be the same record yeah. if it does well or not. Mm-hmm. I, can tell, I can't tell you how many gorgeous pieces of music that weren't hits that mm-hmm. I discover and find and then go like, holy what? Where, why is this not like being right. ex- just exploited all over the world? And it's in the intrinsic value of the art, and I think that's a great way to look at it, man. Because then you actually do it for the right reasons. Right. You're not I, chasing a weird dragon that you could become a half of yourself. Which is why I'm like people always say, go to Nashville, do some co- like co-write in Nashville. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm not going to go to Nashville. Yeah. Like I like going to Nashville, and I'm going to keep going to Nashville, and I'm going to mm-hmm. play songs in Nashville. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to move there and you know fake write. Yeah. Like I I and I know that sounds negative. And I know that there are people who are doing the, doing it their mm-hmm. way properly or whatever, but the the people like we joked before about writing a song for Grey's Anatomy with a guy, you yeah. know, that is an actual thing. Uh-huh. People will say, we need a song for this guy who's mm-hmm. sitting by a window, the rain's pouring down, he's crying, mm-hmm. and his wife is on uh, life support. Yeah, and it'd be really good if you could just like use the word aptitude in it. You know, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you're like, okay, yeah. what? It, I'm not a robot, you know? <laughs> and that's... That's people's living. Like mm-hmm. People are making a living doing that, and mm-hmm. I think that's fine. Yeah, I, you know, uh, you know, motivations uh, aside, you know, you, it, it is a craft. It is a craft. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like it seems to be the way you're talking about it, is you're doing it for not not to to craft things and to make beautiful things, but to let yourself be known and to and to be known by others. Yeah, through that, you know, there's no harm in it. Like those yeah. people, the same people who are writing that yeah. for Grey's Anatomy, also probably go home and write songs mm-hmm. that, and they perform on their own as a solo artist. You know, yeah. but it's uh it's an interesting it's an interesting life and mm-hmm. i just think you know uh the what just what 
defines success these days is, you know, to the general public is, you know, how popular you are, how mm -hmm. popular your song is. But if you don't have, if you don't know the right people and you don't have the right like team behind you, you, you know, you're going to fall into obscurity. Yeah. Cause and even on the lowest scale, mm -hmm. like, you know, now be friendly. Yeah. <laughs> like people who are just not nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, and think they think they're bigger than they are. It, it will just drive you. Yeah. It drives me insane. Yeah. There's a phrase that's uh, like, be, be kind to the people on your way up because you'll meet them on your way back down. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. 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 Yeah, dude. And, and it's not just about like, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a fine line. Cause you could always, you could always see through the people who are being kind mm -hmm. for the sake of their own, you know, they're kind future. of doing that calculation in the back of their head. Yeah, you like, see the, abac you... the abacus behind their <laughs> eyes, kind of going like, "What does he got? What does he got? Okay, he's a, he's a this, he's a that. You know, like maybe he can get me on at uh, at Rockwood One." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, what can you do for me? Uh, I'm going to be your best friend until that mm -hmm. is no longer. And that's you know, that's incredibly transparent. Yeah. Um, and then you know, it, it's those people fall, mm -hmm. you know, by the wayside, and I, I think it's it's just important. Um, the hard thing to do is uh, is in the middle of them, they actually do sometimes achieve success. And you kind of go like, oh, they go. Oh, and it then, hurts. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then you got to know that like, that's just a paper tiger, man. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's um, That was something I learned. Actually, I read uh, Josh Ritter mm -hmm. when I first started playing out seriously a few years ago. Um, it was almost like he was in my head mm -hmm. because he, he did a series of blog posts. I wasn't even a listener. I wasn't even a Josh Ritter fan. Um, I'd heard plenty about him, but I never heard a single song. Um, and then don't ask me how I got on his blog, but he, he was writing this blog about what it was like when he was starting out hmm. and it was perfect for what the timing, you know, I, I, li I read this and I was living it yeah. I'm like, Oh my God, this is like, like Bible. Mm -hmm. It was like eight installments and that was all it was, but it was just him talking about his, you know, his path. Oh, and wow. it was you know, um, like like Ben said, you know, you don't want to, you don't want somebody else's life, yeah. You know, because that's then you're getting rid of, you know, mm -hmm. your own your own path, yeah. Um, but the experiences and getting to know like the people around you, the networking and the you know the the genuine nature of it all, it was it was his writing connected because there was no, it wasn't like a popular book that was edited down to leave the mystery and yeah, this was homogenized this was, and yeah this was just him talking mm -hmm. and it was brilliant yeah and then i actually met him randomly at the living room in new york mm -hmm. on a, and i just i walked up to him like are you josh ritter and i still hadn't heard a single song <laughs> but um uh i was like and then i got now i'm a fan yeah now i have all the albums mm -hmm. let me just say that for yeah. the record um I, I dig him a lot i mm -hmm. even read his book that he wrote oh, wow. um but at that moment i hadn't heard a song and i was like are you josh ritter He's like yeah i'm like I just want to say your blog like seriously affected me and got up, gave me a big hug. And I was like, that's what a guy, you yeah. know, like that's, I think that's important. And that's mm -hmm. the kind of camaraderie you need. Like, I'm not saying we're, we're pals and we're texting each other now. Mm -hmm. That was the end of that relationship. Yeah. <clears throat> but that, that kind of good nature, yeah, you know, is you got to pass that along to people. You, you really do. And you can definitely feel that in certain people, you know, certain people have that and and cultivate that within themselves and some people have to learn to do that because you, exactly. get, you get frightened you know yeah. especially in this industry and you think that the you know when you see other people's success that feels like it's a poison to you because oh they got the piece of that pie instead of you mm -hmm. you know and and i i do think that especially in the in the competition culture that we can kind of you know the american idol league kind of oh know, yeah like oh he got the spot and he didn't and it, they turn everything into march madness and you yeah. 
it's, and not, it's, it's not fucking brackets, man. It's art. Stupid. It, it really it's, is. It is. It is stupid. And mm-hmm. I think that's another thing we don't realize is that I'm ta- I'm here preaching mm-hmm. about being kind to everybody and blah blah blah. But you know, I'm also not in meetings yeah. with suit and ties all day long, and you can't trust those people. Like yeah. you know, if you went around like. Like like Elf, mm-hmm. you know, like if you're like Will Ferrell, like everybody, yeah. I love, you know, everybody. Oh, look at you. Yeah, this yeah. is great. Um, you, you know, you'll get burned. Yeah. You have to have a business, like a tough skin and a business yeah. kind of There is, there's, mind. yeah, you have to have a, a, almost a, a very delicate, open, uh, wide heart that is surrounded in tough leather. And mm-hmm. it's, it's the hardest thing to do for the longest time. A compartmentalization of your mind, you know, being able to protect that little kid that's looking around in the dark, shuffling around for new inspiration, little bits of diamonds. Yeah. You have to have that parent inside you, the internal parent to, to be able to say, and, you know, a lot of times people's internal parent will, you know, beat up on the, the inner right. child. Yeah. You have to be able to, you have to be able to have that person turned outwards and getting good boundaries for that kind right. of thing. Saying yes and no to certain things that should be said yes and no to. Right. You it's, can't have your internal parent telling you that you can have dessert before dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is me sitting on the couch watching <laughs> HBO Go until I turn into a necrotic flesh. You know? that's, that's... <laughs> when you should be writing another album. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. No, you're, you're soaking it all in. Your next yeah. record is going to be about Deadwood. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Absolutely <laughs> going to have a lot of like lonely, tumbleweedy guitars. It's going to be like Sergio Leone um, or Ennio Morricone. What a disappointing end. Like that was that ended because of the strike, right? Uh, actually, yeah, that and then uh, HBO was in its kind of infantile stage of, you know, original programming. And they said, all right, we don't only really have money for like a, a, a lot of shows, but you have this new idea for this show. Do you want to do John from Cincinnati, which you probably don't remember? Right. Neither does anybody else. Or do you want to keep doing Deadwood? And of course... As you well know, being a creator of things, your newest baby is always your favorite for a period right, of time. Right. And so he was like, I'm going to do John from Cincinnati. And then that lasted a season and Deadwood went away. So. That's so heartbreaking. Yeah, it really is. It was, it was so good. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a big fan of the Western. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. I just, I just tried to watch Lonesome Dove. and uh, I've never seen that. Uh, it's, uh, it was hard. It was hard. It was, yeah. it was, it was challenging. There was a lot of people like... Uh, Huddled over dirty tables eating beans, you know? Right. A lot of that, you know? That's... A, lot, a lot of dust and a lot of horses and beans. Yeah. What did I just read? Somebody, another profile in a magazine was talking about, they want to, like, they, they got to believe it. Mm-hmm. And something about the Westerns of the old, the old, the first Westerns, like, yeah. you know, everybody's clean. The cowboys have, like, perfect oh, yeah. hair, no yeah. dirt in their face. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was what's great about Deadwood. Mm-hmm. It was just filth. Grime. Everybody looked like they had syphilis <laughs> on their face. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> right. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you for coming in, man. Come on. Thank what, you for having yeah, me, dude. What's coming up next for you? Um, Oh, a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, like I said, I'm putting out individual songs mm-hmm. as I go and, you know, it may, it may form into a cohesive work mm-hmm. that I will put out as such, but at the moment it is, uh, you know, I'm going to be putting out music. I have a video series on my website that I'm doing mm-hmm. from home. Cool. Um, mostly from home. Uh, you know, it's just songs, whether they're new or old, just mm-hmm. live performances of songs. Great. Uh, kind of way. It's called the novelty organ sessions mm-hmm. and you know, it's on my website. It's all that stuff is, is available. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm looking at these days. I'm just going to be playing here mm-hmm. and there. Yeah, cool. And your website is S Mateo. S Mateo.com. Nice. Yeah. It's nice. just easier than my name. You know, yeah. people. Yeah. What is the etymology of Susic? That's a uh, Croatian. My father's father is Croatian. Uh, okay. Uh, and the rest of my family is Italian. Okay. But we're all American. Yeah. Know? All American. Yeah. Yeah. The so grandparents. To, you know, I'm going to remember the pronunciation all the time because I say Susic. Well, you know, it's funny. It's like I think if it was proper, it'd be Susic. Oh, Susic. Probably. Like I think if you know, if we were, I want to say it's Americanized. I think Susic is Americanized because people who are the educated people 
who try to say my Sujic, it's really pronounced. Uh, mm-hmm. You're actually probably right. Probably right. But if I start telling people that it, they're probably right, then everybody's <laughs> going to start calling me Sujic, and it's just going to mess with my website hits. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Got to get it out there, man. Gotta Make that paper. <laughs> I mean, I have it phonetically pronounced on my like on these mm-hmm. cards I hand out at shows. Yeah, and I yeah, keep yeah. them on the table. Mm-hmm. It's just easier that yeah. way. I, I completely understand, dude. I, I, listen, um, yeah, Newton's pretty tough. Yeah, Newton's, hot, Newton's <laughs> tough. Absolutely, absolutely. Not, not a lot of people named that. Dude, you're, it's a pleasure, dude. Thank you very much. It's All nice right. to be in your wonderful home. Well, that's a good guy. Said I had a wonderful home. Come on. Who has matters like that anymore? Huh? Matt Susich, you're a classy dude. Thank you for coming and being on the show. And thank you guys out there listening to the show. Keep spreading the word about it. As ironically as I railed against social media, I know you're on it. I know I'm on it. I know we're all on it. Spread the word. Share this with your friends. I really enjoy doing it, and the more that this gains some ground and traction and we get more and more listeners, the cooler stuff that we're going to be able to do. A lot of great shows are coming up. Remember, you can go over to sharkbrainpodcast.com and listen to all of our episodes for free, or we're also available in iTunes. So get it. Go to it. Follow me on Twitter so that I can tell you about me not being on Twitter. Guys, there's a lot of dualities within me. I'm not going to expect myself to get to the bottom of it at any time soon, but I am thanking you guys for being on this journey with me and for sharing your thoughts. I love hearing from you. Please continue to send emails. Now I have to go because Men's Luge is really heating up and uh, the DVR is almost full again. Love your friends and be well.